Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Welcome, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck. This is the Strange New Worlds edition, and I'm your host, Michael Flores. And returning to the studio, David Saval. Hello. I have returned once again from Vulcan. Yeah, actually, I should say both of us are returning. (laughs) I will say it makes me feel good that we have some listeners out there that actually care because we did receive a lot of messages via email and DM wondering where the fuck the rest of our coverage is for Strange New Worlds. Apparently, the listeners were assuming that we gave up on the show, that we didn't like it. I'm like, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. No, 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 no. That's not the case. David almost died. Yes. Literally almost died. And thank you to all those who sent well wishes. That really surprised me during this whole time. Yeah. And then when you started feeling better, I got COVID, which first time (laughs) I've was uh, I contracted this virus. I've been very careful the entire pandemic. Yeah. And boom, I got hit with it. And man, I got hit hard. And I'm fully vaxxed and it still hit me hard. And it's just, it was like a domino effect. Like once I went down, all of a sudden you went down. Yeah. So, well, usually when two people, when one person goes down, you want to pay back and that you go down on them as well. <laughs> go is, down on them. Is that not what you're talking about? Well, you know, you, Kind of. <laughs> hey, you gotta be, come on. You gotta be, gotta be fair. You gotta be fair. But don't be a selfish lover. <laughs> All right, let's get into this because we have a lot of ground to cover. We are back. We will not be leaving unless, of course, David gets <laughs> sick or sick I get again. sick. We're probably here for the next, I don't know, a couple months. Because Lower Decks is now going to be starting in a couple yes. weeks here as well. So we're here to stay. Let's get into today's episode that we're going to be discussing. And it is titled The Elysian Kingdom, which is the eighth episode of Strange New World's first season. The synopsis, the USS Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness that traps the crew in a fairy tale. This Episode was directed by Amanda Rowe and written by Akila Cooper and Onitra Johnson. I hope I pronounced those names correctly. If not, I apologize. Please do not get angry with me. I am ignorant and slightly, only slightly educated. Slightly educated. <laughs> All right. So this was not the most innovative of episodes. No. But that doesn't make it any less entertaining. In fact, I'd say this episode is quite possibly the most derivative installment of Strange New World's inaugural season. Oh, but easily. A, but again, it doesn't mean it's any less entertaining. But where there's no originality, we have excellent moments where Anson Mount shines. Yes. And places his skill and range as a 
thespian on full fucking display. Oh, easily, yes. Uh, actually, all the cast in this episode, they, they went above and beyond their comfort zone when it comes to portraying characters. Yes, I would agree with that. But this is where you see someone like Anson Mount. You understand why he is who he why is. Why he is, yes. Because he was... I, this is me not putting anyone else down. Because you're right. Everyone else showed their acting chops. But dude... This was like looking at a completely different person. When you can transform your entire image, I'm not talking about appearance, talking about the aesthetic vibe, the body language. Yes. That's when you are a really good actor, that you can completely look like someone else by simply acting like someone else. I mean, listen, there are actors that are great, but they always play the same roles and they do something different. You know, they sure they can look emotional. Sure, they could look frightened, but they are also playing into their comfort zone, the, why they are cast in certain roles. And that's why they're playing that specific type of character. Yeah. Anson Mount in this episode has proven yet again that he can play probably any role you throw at him. People who have not watched his first TV show, Hell on Wheels, you would be shocked. I don't even think you would recognize. Automatically, dude, you could easily have been fooled and not know that that was Anson Mount. No, he is such a good actor. So to see him be able to play this like sniveling, treacherous coward, it was so different than anything I've ever seen him do. You, you honestly can tell that. Not just, and this is probably with the uh, the rest of the cast too, but it looks like this episode is when they had a lot of fun together. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel, while just like what you said, I agree with you. This episode is a little derivative and it's also, you know, like I understand why a lot of people did not uh, like this episode that much, but after watching it a couple of times, this really is one of the more important episodes to kind of, for me, establish the the production of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. I mean, the cast, you... This is the one episode where I fully feel the cast like each other. Like, they, the way they play play with each other on on the screen. The good the chemistry, chemistry, right? Yeah. This is the episode where the, I felt like it was the strongest. Yeah, I can see that. Where yeah. the characters' chemistry is really coming through. Because they just play so well together on screen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and if you think about it too, I mean like, yes, the story is simple, but I think that this episode is really important and shows the importance of why they chose the format that they did with the episodic. Because remember me and you since the beginning were saying they're going to an episodic format. Is this the right thing for Star Trek? And honestly, after this episode, I'm like going, yes, this is a, a clear example why it, it was a good decision to go episodic because you can do episodes like this where you can pull back a little on the story narrative, but push everything else forward to show kind of like build some muscle around your, or around your show, show your cast in, in a strong light, which they did in this episode. And just the fact that basically the way that the entire production of this episode came through, it really did make the show feel stronger. And it reminds me of like back in the day with TNG episodes and 
watching TOS uh, even Deep Space episodes, Nine, Deep you know, Space episodes Nine. where you have them playing baseball. Yeah, where you have that one episode that basically the the entire cast is put in an element that is not normal for their character, but by the end of it, you don't focus on the importance of their character. You focus on the importance of that individual mm-hmm. and uh, the importance of that actor. Right. So like, well, cause you're right. Because even at the, at the center of this story, though it's surrounded by, I guess you can say derivative elements, things that we've seen so many times, so many times. in Star Trek at the center of, of the episode uh, or of this story, it's, a, it's about Mbenga and his daughter. Yes. And that was the important part too, is like, think about, think about the one thing that we we stated Elements that uh, that an element that was tough for Discovery to get over was we need to get attached to the crew of Discovery. It took us like two se- two three seasons to get there. Mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds by episode eight, I like this crew. Everyone and even online, everyone loves the crew of this uh, of the Enterprise. Everyone likes the the. the these cast of characters. I want to say everyone, but I I would definitely say that has, majority. It, it has won over a lot of people. It's won over a lot of people because everyone's talked glowingly of Anson Mount's betrayal and the importance of him bringing in Pike. And, you know, everyone else in the, in the cast is just adding on to it. And uh, even after this, like we had an Mbanga episode that actually, by the end of it, I actually like the more of the character of Mbanga. He's an interesting character now. So I, I suppose, you know, by, by calling this episode derivative, it isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I, I definitely want to make that clear. That's not our point. It's a fair observation uh, that we've seen literally countless episodes about benevolent or malevolent <laughs> in, intangible entities finding themselves on board a starship and then wreaking havoc. Yes, that's a that's a story we probably have seen countless times over the last, what, 50 plus years of Star Trek. But in some regards, it could even be viewed as genre semantics, to be mm-hmm. fair. I mean, Trek has become, in a sense, its own subgenre of yeah. science fiction. And like with all genres, there are things that should be included in whatever genre a creator is working within. So you can also look at things that we're calling derivative as possibly maybe not derivative and just genre semantics, things that belong in a genre. Additionally, it's about what they do with a trope such as the malevolent ethereal life form. Mm -hmm. For instance, the two writers of this episode made it work within the confines, as we as we were saying, of Mbanga's ongoing story arc. And admittedly, I was a bit surprised that they seemingly brought the story of Mbanga's daughter to an end so quickly. Uh, it does make me question, you know, the previous episode, Lift Us, Where Suffering Cannot Reach. You know, why did we go through all those hoops? You know, getting talking about the cure. You know, having that one character that was uh, a decent moral agent who uh, helped Mbango with devising a cure. So. As a showrunner, I'd question the inclusion of a potential cure when you yes. were going to simply whisk the character away uh, an episode or so later. I think it was because you could kind of say that they were trying to set everyone's expectations 
in a in a balanced sort of way. We they probably wanted to give us a little bit of hope. Oh, there might be a cure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you take a look at the story of Mbanga and his daughter, that type of story, there's no good way about it. There's 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 no good ending that you could possibly see. I mean, his daughter was diagnosed with what was considered a terminally driven disease. And it it would have been nice if they basically said, oh, we'll just wave away that terminal disease. But I think if they were to do that with a cure, I think it would have been worse. Well, yes, I'm not advocating for them to have a cure necessarily. I am saying, you know, narratively speaking, it could become a bad habit. Yeah. Last thing a series wants to convey are contradictory story elements that Mm -hmm. could begin to look like lack of foresight and planning from episode to episode. Because when you have the inclusion of, hey, I'm working on a cure to, hey, she's whisked away and cured uh, and she became an alien entity like the next traveler, essentially. Essentially. So that's all I'm saying, that it could lead to bad habits. But taking a less critical view, this episode ultimately was filled with a lot of heart. Yeah. The the actor Babs Aliska Mukens. I know I <laughs> you, fucked you, that name up. You, I am so you did, sorry. You did better than I would. Uh, let's just say the actor that plays in Banga, and I apologize. Um, I mean, his soft spoken delivery works so well with a character that embodies so many core tenets of the you know the fictionalized utopic citizen of the Federation. He works so well in the confines of what creates the perfect. Federation officer, or I should say Starfleet officer. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about this episode is we got to see everything underneath that Starfleet officer. We got to see Mbanga more as a person and and making his story center around being a father. I thought was a very good decision to give some depth and dimension to the character of Mbanga, because if you think about it, before this portrayal of Mbanga, we didn't know anything about him. Nothing. So they took as a, a rather simple story in a simple way to give a character that had zero character development, zero character depth, just to add a few layers to him. And I honestly think that they did, they, in that regard, they succeeded with that this episode because... I know it seems kind of uh, weird because a lot of people were like saying, oh, they they essentially wrote out his daughter. The daughter was not for in a, in a story arc type of when you take a step back and think of a story arc, the story arc is about Mbanga. It's not about his daughter. Would have been uh, the daughter, the daughter, everyone as a person would have loved to seen the daughter survive and be this person who she is and find a cure. Yes. But story-wise, what does that do for Mbanga's character? I think that basically the way that they decided to cap the story of him and his daughter in this episode makes his character more stronger than if they had his daughter just find a cure. You're right. You, I agree. Like we're on the same page when it comes to that, because yes, in in that regard, the episode was effective. When you look at what the show is about, it's about our core crew members, and Mbega is one of them, whereas the daughter is not. 
So the daughter is simply a writing device to help flesh out this character. So in that regard, it brings an adequate amount of closure to a relatively small portion of Strange New World's first season storylines, but it's an important storyline because it has to do with one of our long-term characters. So in that regard, absolutely, I agree. And that's probably the give take. Yeah. That's probably how the writers were viewing it. Like, listen, yeah, perhaps she could have been around a little longer, but you know, the show is not about her. It's about Mbenga. It's about him. And how can we get people to learn more about this character except, you know, through shitty exposition? Well, let's create a story about his daughter and, and then remove her off the board when we feel like enough's enough. And make make the character make the decision. You know, they didn't yeah. just write her off. No. That ending was actually really powerful when you think about it because Mbenga had to make a decision of a parent. Right. To let go of his daughter. I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm going to cure you. Get back in the fucking you're, transporter. You're going to get in the transporter. But in in the philosophical and, you know, moral implication, Mbenga made the strongest he decision. Made, he made the, the selfless. The selfless decision. decision. Yeah. I'm selfish when it comes to my kid. <laughs> like, no, you belong here with me. And and majority of parents out there are with you. They, uh, because I've had talks uh, online about this episode with, with various parents. And they're like going, if that was my child, no, 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 no. You're in that transporter permanently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like going, but you got to learn to let go. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel like they could have used Mbanga's daughter a little while longer. Uh, it's a... It's more than an adequate way to get characters talking and express thoughts. And think about you know, that helps shape, you know, future episode narratives. Obviously, they can always introduce other elements to help Mbanga, but I felt like the daughter being a part of it was that was a very simple way to get inside of Mbanga's mind. I feel like yes. a lot of us can relate or at least understand the uh, what a father or a parent would be going through emotionally and psychologically if they were dealing with the potential death or an illness, an uncurable illness of a child. Of a child. So, yes, it could have been used a little longer, but at the end of the day, it also serves its purpose. Yes. And also on and top of And maybe they have bigger plans for, what was the daughter's name? Ru Rukia? Rukia. Rukia, perhaps they have bigger plans for her now that she's no longer confined to a corporeal body. And if you if you think about it too, just narratively and and looking at the writing me uh, method, uh, writing side of things mm -hmm. when it comes to how they put the whole st uh, the whole season together, I think you don't want to drag out too many stories to the very end because then your ending will seem rushed. David, your hospital visit has obviously opened up your mind because you are 100% <laughs> right again. Because you got to remember, our story is about Pike. Yeah. It's about Pike. So you can't just get to the end and say, here's the story of Pike. Here's the story of like Mbanga and Spock. Yeah. All of it ends at the same time. No. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong, Dave. I mean, and also we're dealing with what, seven cast members. And if you have a bunch mm -hmm. of lingering threads there, it could get really messy. It so could get messy. You're, you're right. Yeah. Um, as I said, out of everything, the highlight of this episode for me was, was twofold. Not only was it Anson Mount's acting, David, but also, and we will lose all credibility, 
after saying this. I, as well as I'm sure you are as well, but I don't want to speak for you. By the time this episode ended, I can officially say that I am an official member of the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Boob Patrol. <laughs> I must admit that the boobage in this episode was fucking on point. Oh, it was. I have it not was. seen so much cleavage since the last time I trolled Pornhub. Uh, do, you, do you know that basically I am so happy that Strange New Worlds has brought sexiness back? The beautiful thing is like every and you can tell, uh, I know you're not in today's world, you're not supposed to, you know, judge people by their gender, right? Everyone should be. One, you know, we should be genderless, Mike, especially in today's society. Mm -hmm. But it is really cool. I tuck my dick on the weekends. Does that count? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. I do it for fun. It is really cool being able to differentiate between the male cast and the female cast, and just it, it's, it's one of those things in Star Trek that I think a lot of people just gloss over is like. Star Trek is a sexy franchise. We have those sexy moments. You know, you have those iconic, very sexualized characters, a la Seven of Nine. But yeah, Dave, God bless the Star Trek gods. May we praise the God of Shakari <laughs> for delivering us writers that do not refrain from the beautiful art of the human body. Yes. People are beautiful. Use it. There is nothing wrong. It is not objectifying people, whether it be a male, a female, or a non-binary, whatever. It's not objectifying. It's appreciating the human body. But more seriously, Anson Mount was a standout for me. The guy had me rolling. Like, seriously. Like, the stuff he said and his sheer cowardice... <laughs> Yes, dude. I, when he started, I was like going, I can't. It, it took me a while to get used to it because I'm like going, I cannot see Anson Mount doing this. <laughs> he was unlikable. Like he when, was he, unlikable. when he betrayed everyone, I'm like, dude, you're an asshole. But that's the tenets of a good actor. You know, you, he's got to be able to get under your skin as well when need be. And it was also nice to see Bruce Horrocks Hammer. Yes. Who seemingly vanished for a while. It seems like we haven't seen him since the beginning of the season, and it was good to have him around and learn more about him and how he interacts with other members of the crew. I mean, he's such a beautifully crafted character so far. Yes. And something that we didn't get into, I want to say it was the episode that you were gone the first time. I forgot what the name of the episode was, but it was when he was talking about pacifism. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I will not fight for Starfleet, but yes. I will defend its ideals. Ideals. I should have talked about that during our discussion. Well, I just totally forgot. That moment, that moment made me love Hammer even more because of a good, even here, I was cracking up like Hammer's the only one that's not affected. Did you notice that? Like throughout the entire episode, for some strange reason, I forgot if they explained it or not. Hammer was the, Hammer was the only one that wasn't affected. It, and I was like cracking up when you look at his personality and the way he acts, then it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, they did explain why he wasn't affected. Okay. So a few tidbits here because yeah, we're pretty much at the end of our discussion. It's a, it was a simple episode, but David, I have a question for you. And I'd like to get your opinion on this since you seem to be on point. What are your thoughts on the transformation of the enterprise to this fairy tale land but them just simply adding additional props. 
like the reason why I say this is because is this an example of like budget restrictions? Because in years past, when you are transforming Starfleet officers to some other like fake world, it's an actual different set. It's different scenery. This was them just putting props, like some trees here, some vines, but you still have the backdrop of the actual starship. Do you think that was purposely done to save budget? Or do you think it was just a, an aesthetic choice? See, part of me, part of me is 50-50 on it. Because when I first saw this, creatively, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This, you, you don't want to make this entity super powerful, right? Because we've seen it before. So pull back on that's power. It's not able to change everything on a fly, right? So it, but for if it me, has the ability to essentially erase. Exactly. That was the only issue that I had creatively was like at the very end when it, when it has the ability to erase everyone's memory. Yeah. For that a lot of time, I'm like going, ah, why did you do that? Because I believed that the, 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 the entity was depowered, so to speak, that it could only do this. See, this is where a holodeck comes in handy because everyone would have just been, you know, transported, transported to the holodeck. holodeck. <laughs> but honestly, by the end of it, I was like 50, 50 because I started thinking like you it was like, wait a minute. Well, they brought the whole point where that it's able to actually affect everyone's memory. I mean, changing people's characters, characters changing people's memories. Then all of a sudden you think maybe, maybe it was a budget restraint thing. Yeah. Because if you have an entity that's able to transform uh, a fairy tale into reality, wouldn't you just transform everything into this this fantasy reality? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I maybe I'm looking too far into it, and I was trying to search for some some interviews that were discussing the decision to do something like that. But oh, so did I because I wanted was, to look up all the because I was really impressed with a lot of the costuming, yeah, and the and the and a lot of the set choices that they made. It wasn't bad. I'm just curious as to. If, if it's it was a budget issue, a budget issue, because like, if you look at the costuming, dude, I mean, come on. So that costuming looked far beyond really above budget. Yeah. So there was also the mention of the Boltzmann brain, which is a theoretical spontaneously generated consciousness that seemingly appears one day out of nothing. Yes. Is what they said. An all powerful being just appears. Now, this is an interesting inclusion because it does veer into the philosophical if people are not familiar with what the boltzmann brain is outside of the star trek explanation it's a thought experiment that suggests that it might be more likely for a single brain to spontaneously form in a void complete with a memory of having existed in our universe rather than for the entire universe to come about in the manner cosmologists think it actually did. And there was a physicist, Boltzmann, who used this thought experiment as a way to, to evaluate competing scientific theories. So, for example, in contrast to the brain and a vat thought experiments, which yes. are about perception and thought, 
The Boltzmann brains are used in cosmology to test our assumptions about thermodynamics and the development of the universe. So it is an interesting thought experiment, and I do like that they included something like this. This is yet again Star Trek adding those um, philosophical notes, which a lot of times in order to feel authentic to Star Trek, you don't have to give us an entire explanation or narrative yeah. molded around philosophical thought. Don't get me wrong. I would love that. But just the inclusion of little things like the idea of this thought experiment, it adds authenticity to Strange New Worlds. It's no different than, than what they had wrote for Hemmer to say in the episode that we were just discussing about being a pacifist and, and really defining what pacifism is. You know, a lot of people think pacifism is simply, I refuse to fight. Uh, I'm going to put my hands behind my back and let bad things happen. Exactly. That's not pacifism. That's not pacifism. You know, so the fact that they truly delved into the definition of what pacifism is, and they did it in a matter of five seconds, I mean, that adds to the authenticity of Strange New Worlds. Yes. So that's one thing that has pleased me greatly with Strange New Worlds, just those little inclusions, those little nuggets. You don't have to always devise these elaborate narratives that are wrapped around philosophical thoughts. I mean, Discovery does that, and they do it well, uh, but you don't need to do every single episode like that. Uh, the Elysian fantasy or story, the Elysian kingdom, I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with that. It, basically, the Elysian fields is uh, an aspect of Greek mythology. Greek mythology, yes. And think about that too, dude. The the symbolism of that, of Mbanga letting go of his daughter in the very end. Essentially, his daughter, quote, unquote, yes, she's safe, she's an entity, but you can look at the symbolism of using the story of the kingdom of Elysium and then taking into the fact that essentially his daughter dies and passes away and leaves. They're dealing with that metaphor of death and passing on. And the Elysium fields were, and I thought that was actually really cool. But then I thought about it. Then I saw like the author of the story of the kingdom of Elysium. Oh yes. Okay. Go ahead. And I got super giddy. Like, I'm not kidding. This episode became like, eh, okay for me. But then I, when I did my research and I found out, oh yeah, this is written by Benny Russell. And I automatically basically said, who's Benny Russell. He's coming back. Mike Cisco will come back. <laughs> got it. No, but explain who Benny Russell is. Benny Russell is basically the author that Cisco portrayed. In the, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode in Deep Space Nine where he goes back, quote, quote, goes back in time and portrays. Far the, beyond the stars. Far beyond the stars where he portrays the author, Benny Russell. And that whole episode dealt with this sci-fi writer that could not. A beautiful story. It was a beautiful story that, that, that he was just a writer that wanted acknowledgement, but he wouldn't get it because he's a black author. Yeah, it's a very deep, deep story. It's a deep, deep story. And it doesn't leave you feeling good. Afterwards. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's sad. It is very sad, but it, a very well-written episode of Deep Space Nine. So, yes, that that's a, you know what, Dave, and I will admit here in the air, I didn't catch that until you mentioned it. It's awesome. I love, that. I love the fact that they tied Mbanga's 
story that he tells to his daughter as a Benny Russell story because this is the type of story that, yeah, Benny Russell. But does that mean would write. Benny Russell actually existed? Well, because if you thing. remember, it was never, it, it was, was kind supposed of, to be real. Wasn't it like a, yeah. a, the prophets doing something to yes. him? Okay. I don't remember. It was exactly, the prophets but. doing something and we, you were left with this feeling was, was it real? Was or it not? real or not? Yeah. It was real to Cisco because Cisco understood that character that, that, that he understood the plight of that character. And then like, but by the end, are you going, well, is it real? Because there's no way that that, 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 that person could be treated that badly. But the real question is Dave, looking at that episode of deep space nine, far beyond the stars, just to be controls here. Would you define that episode as political or social? <laughs> there you go. Yes. And you know what? Just to answer my own question, it's definitely a social commentary. It is not political. It's not political. No. I know people find that confusing and they want to bash William Shatner um, because everyone thinks they know everything. But uh, guess what? He's not wrong. No. Pick up a book. <laughs> there is a difference. Okay. So interestingly, the Elysian Fields, here's another nugget of the philosophical, the Elysian Fields were also included in a lot of stories, the Greek poems, one of which was um, written by Hesiod, but also um, Homer and the pre-Socratics, which were the philosophers prior to Socrates, were heavily influenced by their cosmology. So that's also an interesting little philosophical nugget there that the Strange New Worlds writers included. Okay, so David, this does bring us to the end of our discussion for this episode. As I said, it was it it, it is a shorter discussion. It is. Um, why don't you give me your final thoughts and your RMD score? My final thoughts on this episode. As I said, this episode was not my cup of tea, but just in when you take a step back, it's a very well done episode that has a purpose. It's adequate. It's adequate, and. The story might be simple. The story might be, as people have stated before, it might be derivative. But it doesn't mean that the story was not important. Because when you look at, like, what it does for the characters, what it does for the cast, outside of, you know, this story, I honestly think this is one of the more important milestones for Strange New Worlds. Because, like I said before... This is the one episode where I fully feel you can see the cast has amazing chemistry together. You can see that basically the writers, even if they have a simple story, they still are, they're still thinking about throughout their story. They're saying, we want to embark something about a character. So let's make it about Mbanga. Let's add these elements from Elysium. Let's, let's throw in things like, Bringing in an idea of Benny Russell talking about an author that's tied to the type of political social statements that people want to talk about and tying it to a character like Mbanga. I think you mean political statements. Yeah, political statements. <laughs> but tying it to him, I thought was a really good choice. And that shows that the, 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 the writing team behind Strange New Worlds, they're really thinking. They're not like a Shaban who wants to throw poop at the wall and see what sticks. That's bad writing. 
you know, he wasn't throwing poop. He was bending down and just projectile diarrhea. Projectile diarrhea everywhere. But like, there's there's a purpose to to their narrative. That's why, as I said before, is I like the fact that they close out Mbanga's story because they're not going to let Mbanga's story muddle everyone else's story. Let's close off this character's story, bring him along. He's going to be along to us to, for the very till the very end. But now we're going to be talking more about the cast or more of the, these characters. And also, they got to make room for more Nurse Chapel. I mean, let's be <laughs> let's be honest here, dude. After our last talk, I was cracking up because I listened to our last mm-hmm. discussion together, and I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. What the hell is wrong with Spock? I would be looking at Spock and say, Do you realize what? Nurse Chapel wants to do to you. You're just standing there like an idiot. <laughs> it just <laughs> Yeah. Come on, Spock. Come on, Spock. Make us proud. It's illogical that you're not getting aroused. <laughs> Dude, would would Kirk not say that to Spock? Yeah. <laughs> He's like say Kirk would probably say, you know, she's the only woman that I have not had sex with on this ship. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your score? My score for the episode is actually pretty surprising. I, uh, I, it started at a 78, but after thinking about it, I bumped it up to an 88. Because an I really, 88? Wow. Yeah, okay. Because I think that this is a very important milestone episode for, for the show. All right. Well, your original score was closer to mine. Mine is at 80%. And it's not because it's... Listen, 80% is still a solid grade. What is that, like a B, oh, yeah. technically? Like a, a low B? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not awful. It's just not the best episode of the season. There were a few things that I felt like we've seen a lot in Star Trek, a lot. And listen, I, I always justify as well for my complaints, or I should say, I usually rebuttal my complaints sometimes. And I did, Hey, listen, it could be genre semantics. This is just something that's acceptable in the world of Star Trek, because this is what they do in Star Trek entities and nebulas and transforming the ship into a fantasy world and taking the control of the minds of our crew. Unleashing the cleavage of all the females. Well, that's that's definitely <laughs> unique to this show. People wonder why I love the Renaissance Fair. Oh, yeah, dude. It reminds me of Will Smith. <laughs> Remember in um, the only good part of the Wild Wild West? Yeah. <laughs> he bangs on the girl's boobs, her cleavage. He's all, Hello, Hello, how's your mama? <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I can't wait till I, I just, when do, when do you start um, suffering from ED, erectile dysfunction? Because I'm, I'm actually looking forward to those days. I am tired of living You're like tired. this. Tired of being a pervert. I just want to be a man without uh, the penis between my legs. <laughs> All right. 80% uh, on the RMD score. That probably brings us out to be as a, a show score of about 85%. Yeah. All right. So this does bring us to the end. I do want to remind people out there that we do have a Patreon page in order for us to keep doing these shows. We do need the support of the listeners. So if you go to patreon.com slash Rainman digital, you can pledge $3 or more a month and you'll gain access to our behind the scenes tier, which allows you, or I should say gives you access to all of our pre-shows where we talk about anything that we don't have time to discuss on our regular show, we get into on that pre-show. Uh, we also have a podcast here, which is $5 a month, and that will give you the pre-show and also all of our additional full podcast discussions that we do for Star Trek every single month. 
patreon.com slash rain man digital thank you david thank you live long and prosper i couldn't help but notice your pain my pain it runs deep share it with me end simulation